Let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 2, if you will, please. Luke chapter number 2, beginning with verse number 8. Thank you for the song. It spoke to my heart. It does every time. I appreciate the young people who have sung this year and who are going to be singing. Uh, Greatness is not in the performance. Greatness is in the preparation. And I admire and respect deeply the young people who prepare so hard and diligently and get up and sing like they do every day. It's a great blessing. The book of Luke, chapter number two, I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the glory of the ordinary. Anybody else other than Toby Weaver just feel ordinary? Anybody else? Raise your hands, okay. Just to feel kind of ordinary, you know? God specializes in ordinary. In fact, he puts a little prefix often on the ordinary, and he calls it extra ordinary. And so we're going to look how we can go from ordinary to extraordinary with God's help today. We need God's help, don't we? And uh, we finally got rid of the riffraff. The seniors are out of here. And, uh, and that's a good thing because you're, the, you're my target today. I'm going to ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, uh, I'm sort of nervous today, and, and uh, I need your help. And I... And enamored with the opportunity today, and I pray that you'd help me. I pray you'd help me to communicate the truth and that we would leave today with hope. And there is a dying world out there that needs us, that needs these young people. And I pray that we would have a sense of urgency like never before, and we could see, we could see the impossible. We could see it with your help. And help us today as we dig in just for a few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. I like Christmas. So let's begin with verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. They were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, or as Brother uh, Shepherd would call it, a Savior. (laughs) <laughs> I like to say it then, all right? <laughs> a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. They came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go unto Bethlehem and see the things which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. There's one word that describes that night. Ordinary. Just another night. There's one word that describes today's chapel, just another ordinary chapel. Class, 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 chapel. Class, lunch. Class, 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 chapel, lunch. Just another ordinary day. And here we are. On this particular night, the sky was ordinary. There's no reason to expect a surprise that night. Just another night. Just another ordinary night. The sheep were ordinary. Some of them were fat. Some of them were skinny. Some of them were woolly. Some of them weren't. No blue ribbon winners there. And the shepherds. Shepherds, I like shepherds. They're just uh, wearing the same old clothes that they own. They smell like sheep and 
They're kind of woolly. Just shepherds, ordinary shepherds. They were nameless. Nobody knew their names. They were simple men. An ordinary knight, ordinary sheep, ordinary shepherds. Ordinary. Ordinary. But God does something often amidst your common. He wants to do something great with you. Great. Not good, but great. There's a great need today, and so... But we're just ordinary. Brother Weaver, we're just ordinary, I know. And that night, the sky was black, but boom! It exploded with brightness. And these shepherds looked up at this great light, and it was unordinary. It was extraordinary. There were angels there, and they were singing. And one minute, the shepherds were dead asleep. The next... They were rubbing their eyes and staring into the face of literally angels in the night was ordinary, no more. The angel came in the night because that's when lights are best seen. That's when they're the most needed. And God comes into the common like you and certainly like me for the same reason. I love the ordinary things of life. I was thinking about our past. My wife is here, and she and I have been married 49 years. And somebody said, uh, boy, Toby, you and, you and Rita are starting to get a little bit older. And I thought about the, the married couple that had been married just over 50 years, and his hearing aid was messed up, you know. And, but she had one of those moments, and she leaned over, and she said, honey, I, I love you. And he couldn't quite hear it. He said, yeah, I don't like you either. <laughs> We're not going to be like that, okay? I hope not. <laughs> Me and my wife and I met on a blind date, you know. And um, I'd made a commitment to the Lord. I wasn't going to date for a long time, but it was a blind date. And, and um, thank the Lord, man. I, we got in the car, and it, it was so ordinary. It was just a, it was just a, a ordinary day. A married couple took us, and, and um we, we ate out with a married couple. Then we went to this thing and we slid down in gunny sacks and went back to campus, you know. And, and um, it was just an ordinary date. And, but she was ordinarily quiet. You know, I'm, I'm so stupid, you know. I said, uh, how you doing? She said, and I, I, I'd never met her, you know. She said, fine. And I said, that's, that's wonderful. I said, uh, did, did your parents have any children? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's a, probably a good bet that if her parents didn't have any, she wouldn't, anyway. Uh, and, and she looked at me like, you know, are you retarded or something? <laughs> and I, and a little bit, you know, a little bit. And then 11 months later, you know, I mean, uh, she was, she was uh, in, her, in her sophomore year. Man, I, I fell in love with her that night. She had that mystique, you know. And um, she had two years left in college, and I promised her mother and dad that, if they'd let me marry her, that she'd graduate, and she did. But she was so quiet. And then we got married. And the moment the preacher said, I do, she went, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And it was ordinary, no more. <laughs> no more. No more. I love it, old verse. Husbands, obey your wives in all things. I love it, old verse. Now, the Lord's going to use some, some, some powerful tools that are the simplest in your life and my life. 
some powerful tools. I want you to look at Exodus, turn all the way back to the book of Exodus. We're going to go from Christmas all the way back to the book of Exodus. Chapter 4. Let's begin reading with uh, verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand, Moses? And he said, A rod, a stick. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, a snake. And Moses fled from before it. That's the smartest thing you can do, Moses. Run like a scared dog, man. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. You don't take snakes in the desert by the tail, okay? That's not real wise. But the Lord said to do it, and, uh, and, he, and he did it. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. The stick became a snake. The snake became a stick. That they may believe that the Lord God of, the, of, of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. Consider this rod for a moment. It's just a stick. Moses was so convinced, like I've been in the past. Perhaps you are today. God can't use me. I'm, I'm not the one for the job. And God said that who Moses was didn't matter. What really mattered was who God is. It doesn't matter who you think you are. What really matters or what others think you are at this point. What really matters is what God thinks you can do and what God can perform in your life by faith. Without faith, it's impossible, impossible to please God. And we walk by faith, not by sight. And so many of you do that and you encourage us in so many ways by your lives. Moses spoke the voice from the bush. Throw down your staff. Moses obeyed a simple rod and he threw it down and and the old shepherd stopped and said, holy moly, there's a snake. Holy moly is in the Hebrew. <laughs> the Lord said, pick it up by the tail. And, and Oh, Moses, I'm, I can see him saying, God, I don't mean to object, but uh, I don't want to mess with that snake. And, and, and the Lord said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, yes, sir. And he picked up the snake. Maybe God wants you to pick up a track today. Because that track can turn into a soul-winning object somewhere in the valley today. I don't know. The same rod would lift up and divide the water and guide two million people through the desert. The rod would remind Moses that God can make a stick become a snake and then the stick can become a stick again. And perhaps he can do something with the stubborn hearts. If he can do that, he can do something with the stubborn hearts of stiff-necked people that you may pastor someday that you may be the coach of someday. You could possibly be the Christian school teacher of a class that stiff-necked four-year-olds or 14-year-olds. I think of so many things. My wife and I served the Lord in a, a church in 1990, a wonderful, a wonderful church. And I helped in the, in the Christian school, in the high school. My wife taught in the Christian high school. And I helped the church with music and a few other things and in the school, a little coaching. And so my office was in the basement under the gymnasium. And my first day working at the school, and I'm an early riser, I like to get to work early. And, 
and it was dark, and I was sitting in my little office in the basement under the gymnasium, and I heard a basketball bouncing upstairs. I said, man, that's unusual. That's unusual. And, and, I, and I went up there, and there was a, a tall young man, a tall, blonde-headed boy named Peter. And he was up there just shooting free throws. And I said, how's it going? He said, it's going fine. I said, I'm, I'm Toby Weaver, the new teacher and assistant pastor. And he said, my name is Peter. And I said, I said, man, you come in here every morning and practice? He said, every morning. I practice my free throws. He was a senior that year. And I said, well, that's sort of unusual. He said, well, let me tell you why. He said, during the playoffs last year, I missed a free throw that, that stopped us from advancing. He said, that's never going to happen again. I said, man, I respect that. I said, could you dribble softly? I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> and so all I heard this was, bonkety, bonkety, bonkety. Well, that year we, we played. Our, our son Todd was a sixth man on the team. He was a sophomore. The team advanced and went all the way to the Arco Arena in Sacramento and played for the state championship. It's a great, great year. It's a great year. My wife and I learned so many things that year. And I remember we, the game to get to the Arco Arena, which went right down to the wire, a large school down in the valley. And Peter was at the free throw line. And I was taking pictures for the yearbook. And, and he was dribbling the ball. And he looked at me, and I winked at him. And he winked at me, and he made both free throws. And he went. He said, just a free throw? That's just an ordinary free throw. Look out. Take care of the ordinary. So, you mean an ordinary free throw? Yeah, Ordinary. Ordinary. I got a call this morning from a man named Sammy Coney. Remember Sammy, honey? 2002, we, we came here and I got a, a visit to make. Uh, a man named Sammy Coney had visited Lancaster Baptist and he lived way up in California City. So another guy and I took about two and a half hours to find this guy's house and he wasn't home. So I took a track and I, I put, Dear Sammy, my name is Toby. <clears throat> Sorry, I missed you. <clears throat> if you can, if you could be at Lancaster Baptist tomorrow morning, I'll be standing by the fireplace at 8:15, and I stuck it on his door. And so the next morning, Sunday morning, I was standing out there by the fireplace, and in walks this tall, very stately black man. looked like he stepped out of GQ magazine. Tall, um, middle-aged, sharp, deep voice. He walked in and. He, we made eye contact, and he had this deepest voice, and he said, are you Toby? And I said, maybe. <laughs> and it was Sammy. He came, he joined our church, was very active for a number of years. Man, I wish I could get a soul-winning story, Brother Toby. Go do the ordinary. Take a track. If they're not home, write the note. Why, well, it's just ordinary. God blesses ordinary. He's looking for ordinary. He's looking for the commonplace. If he can do that with a rod and with a track and with a basketball, he can do so many things. Look at 1 Samuel 17. Turn all the way back over to 1 Samuel 17. You know the story of David. Everybody okay so far? We're rolling along singing a song? Look at verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor. He put on a helmet of his brass upon his head. and Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, and, and for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not 
reproved them and David put them off of him and he took his staff in his hand and chose some five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag when he had even in a scrip and his sling was in his hand and he drew near unto the Philistine and you know the story. So let's consider not only the, the staff, the stick, the ordinary stick, but let's consider another ordinary shepherd from Bethlehem. Uh, I, I don't know a lot of things, but I know you can't fight a lion with a toothpick. I know you don't uh, go bear hunting with a cork gun. And you don't send a shepherd boy into battle with a giant. You wouldn't think that. Unless you believe God and the God of the ordinary. <clears throat> so the king tried to give David some equipment. He said, uh, what do you want? Well, you want a shield, a sword? You want some grenades? How about a rifle? How about a helicopter? We're going to make Rambo out of you, man. <laughs> David had something else in mind. Because David had learned something. He learned to play the harp. He learned to write. It was ordinary. Nobody, nobody saw him doing this stuff. While he was out there, he, 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 picked, he learned how to pick up a sling, and he started... Picked up another rock. He said, I'm getting pretty good at this. Picked up another one. And, and while he was, while nobody was watching because God blesses things done in private. God blesses things done in solitude. God blesses things that are done in obscurity. He loves it. So if you feel a little bit lonely, and it's okay. It's all right. God is, God is on patrol. He's watching. He takes good notes. He takes real good notes. David's doing his, he's doing his harp thing and he's singing and looking at the sheep and he's saying, man, I love those sheep. God has just given me a love for sheep. And, and he picks up that sling and he goes, and he practices over and over. And he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but man, is this fun or what? It's like going to West Coast Baptist College in the desert where it's obscure where it's solitude, where it's way out here away from everything, it's a good place. It's a good place to let God take the common and make it uncommon, to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And David said, I can't do anything in this armor, man. I can't even move. And then David said, you know, there's a cause. There's a cause. And is there not a cause? There is a cause. And, 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 and God helped me. This lion came in here and tried to get my sheep. And I said, don't mess with my sheep. He killed the lion with his bare hands. Nobody saw that. God did. When God sees great stuff done in, in private, he, he will order some things done wonderfully in public. But if you don't do it privately, don't expect the public blessing, dum-dum. I want God to bless me publicly. Then go out there in the desert with your Bible and start begging, man. Go to your room, sweetheart, with, with, with your Bible and just say, God, here I am. Bless me. I got to have a husband. I don't care if he's big, tall, skinny. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I knocked on, we, we were pastoring in Michigan, Brother Rasmus, and I knocked on the door. And this tall girl comes to the door. And I said, my name is Toby Weaver. I'm from Berean Baptist Church. And... Um, and I said, is your husband home? And she said, well, my boyfriend is. We live together. And I said, well, is he here? And, and she said, yes. And so he came to the door. He was like that, and she was like that. And I went, how are y'all doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and, and uh, I led them to the Lord at the door and they came to church Sunday and they wanted to join our church and get baptized. And I said, you got to get married. You got to get married. I said, I love you and you got to get married. And uh, so we had a wedding on Sunday afternoon. It was, it was great. And I said, you may kiss the bride. That was the coolest thing I've ever seen. You know? <laughs> so it's okay. It's okay. You know, I mean, that's why they make stools, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, yeah, David, David. I mean, Goliath. Hey, you fool. I'm going to defy you. I'm going to defy the armies of God. And this stupid kid coming up here. Watch it. God likes stupid kids. Here comes David. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> boom, bam, boom. Slice, head goes to one. <laughs> Check this out, man. <laughs> yeah, the smartest thing David did was cut that rascal's head off because you rarely come back from that injury. <laughs> right? Now look here, get your sin down and cut his head off. Get your sin down and don't let your sin get a chance to get back up. Because it's coming after you, buddy. Coming after you big time. Because you let it get back up. Slice the head off and kick it a few times and walk away and keep trusting God. It's just ordinary to do that. Anybody who underestimates what God can do with the ordinary has rocks in his head. Years ago, my wife and I taught at another Bible college. And it was wonderful. Had a, had a young lady named Verna. She was my work study, and she was a, just a sweetheart of a little gal. And there's a young man named Mike Ray. How many of you know Brother Mike? Mike Ray. How many know Mike? You know him? He's awesome, isn't he? Amen. Isn't he great? Well, Mike was a little bitty guy. You know him. Even those of you who know, just a little bitty fella. And he kind of walked around, you know, him just Mike. And uh, he didn't really have a purpose or anything, anything. But he came by my office, and he said, Brother Weaver. And I said, Hey, Mike, how you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm fine. He says, uh, he said, Ver Verna's working for you. And I, I said, yeah, she's doing a great job. He said, I really like her, man. I, he said, I want to date her. I said, well, he said, would you ask her for me? <laughs> I said, I don't want to do that. You know, and he said, please. And I said, okay. And so I'm, I'm at my desk in my office and Verna comes to work. And man, I'm nervous. <laughs> Been married a long time. I'm going to ask Verna out for a date. I'm nervous, man. You know, and Verna walks in and she's, she said, Brother Weaver, you okay? And I said, no, ma'am. And she said, what is it? And I said, I, I, I got to ask you something. <laughs> I said, and old Mike's down the hall. You know, he's, he's, down, he's praying up a storm, you know. And, and, and I said, Verna, uh, uh, Mike Ray wants to date you. And she said, well, if he had guts enough to ask me, I'd, I'd say yes. Put your rod down. <laughs> you know? And so I, I said, I'm Mike. And I said, if you got guts enough to ask her, she'd say yes. And they, so we did, and they began to date. A number of months later, man, they're in love and all that stuff. And he comes to me and says, I want to marry her. That's good, Mike. He said, would you ask her? <laughs> well, I, I did, and they did, and they did. Been married a long time. He'd been pastoring one of the greatest churches up in Napa Valley for over 30 years. I want to ask you a question, young lady. If you're dating, do you do that to the guy that you're dating? Little old Mike kind of walking around, moping around, but man, he got a hold of Verna. All of a sudden, man, he's about that tall. He's, he's, he's the dude, man, on campus, you know. 
uh, young lady, do you do that to your guy? Is he more spiritual now because of you than before? I'm just asking. If not, you need to take your rod and go do a little bit of expecting and inspecting. Amen. Well, look at, I have so many, and I don't want to just keep on giving story after story, after, but I got, I got a million stories. There's a young man that came to school here years, came in 2003 or four. That guy didn't like me at all. And he was from my church. <laughs> in fact, he had three brothers. Really, you remember them? Raymond and all those boys, you know. And, and they were all little guys, but they were fast. They were so fast. They were on our soccer team. We won state championship after year after year. As long as we had these guys, because they were so fast, they could play soccer. Really good. But they were always in trouble at school. One of them came here and excelled. And he and his wife are serving in Michigan now doing unbelievable. He's just excelled. He's very smart. The other guy, uh, the principal had to call his dad about once a day and say, come spank your kid. <laughs> he was in trouble all the time. Well, anyway, he came here for a while. And he got in trouble. So he came by my office. I was the dean of men, dean of men at that time. He came by my office. And, and I said, look, son, what you need is more character. He said, I don't like you. I don't like that. I hate it when you say that. I hate it when you say that. I hate you. I hate this place. I hate everything. And I said, are you upset? <laughs> and then, man, he just let me have it between the eyes. And he was dating a little old gal. And they quit. And they moved away. It broke my heart. I mean, it broke. It, it, it just crushed me. It crushed me. And I, I lost track of him for a long time. And he called me yesterday. Brother Weaver, this is, this is, Ray, this is Raymond. Hey, man, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. He said, uh, I just, I got to talk to you for a minute. He said, uh, he mentioned his, wife, his, name, his wife's name is Elizabeth. He said, you remember Elizabeth? I said, of course. Uh, from the Northeast. He said, we've been married all these years. We have three daughters. They're all saved. He said, we're serving the Lord in our church up in Connecticut. He said, we go soul winning every week. He said, in, in fact, he said, remember I, I told you that I wasn't called to be a preacher, but, I, but I'm a good carpenter. And, and, and I said, yeah, I remember all that. And he said, well, I have my own business. And he said, I'm, I've become pretty wealthy. I said, well, good for you. He said, I just saved my church $100,000. He said, um, I just want to call you and tell you I love you and I'm praying for you. I'll take that. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Any day. One more reference. John, John chapter 9. We're just about done here. John chapter 9. This may be my favorite. Verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, I'm glad he passes by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents? that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said, go wash in the pool of, Sol of, of Siloam, which is interpreted sent. And he, and he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. There you go. This blind man. Why do you think he's blind? 
Ah, he must be a sinner. Dirty, dirty sinner. He got what he deserved. He's blind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's probably his mother and dad's fault. Jesus, what do you think? And the apostles knew what was coming because they had seen this look in the eyes of Jesus before. They took good notes too. They took good notes as well. They watched Jesus. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus. You'll, be, you'll, you'll win. Just keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. All these things in, in, in the periphery that, that, that plague us, that worry us, that make us think we're just ordinary. Keep your eyes focused right there on Jesus. Stay focused. Stay focused on Jesus. And Jesus spit. And somebody said, yuck. God can bless yuck. I just feel yucky. Hello. <laughs> I got the yucky grade. It's okay. Don't quit. Don't quit. The same, the same one who turned the stick into a scepter and the, the rock into a missile now turns spit and mud into a healing balm for the blind. Deliriously joyful are the ones who believe that God has used sticks, rocks, and spits to do his will, can use Toby Weaver. Brother Weaver, what makes you deliriously joyful? Him. Because it's no fun going through cancer. It's no fun going through heartache and heartbreak and disappointment. But as long as you're focused on Jesus Christ, knowing that God can take a, 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 a stick and use a stick and use spittle and use spittle to heal the blind, and he can take a rock and perform a miracle, God can use you, young person, in a powerful way. Powerful. Greater than you'd ever imagine. If, if, if somebody had told me years ago that I would be standing here preaching in chapel, I would have rolled in the floor just laughing. My little brother and I grew up in a broken home. And I don't go into all that stuff. I don't want you to feel sorry for me because I hate that junk. Because I don't feel sorry for me. God uses, God uses disappointment. God uses this and that and this and that to make you what he wants to make you. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He is aware. He's not sleeping. He doesn't slumber. He, he doesn't rest. He's always on the job. My, my little brother and I were just messed up. Man, I got kicked out of the sixth grade because I didn't go. I was too embarrassed, dirty, filthy, foul mouth. In the seventh grade, I got kicked out. I threatened to kill my teacher. They kick you out for that. <laughs> You're out. Got kicked out. Kicked out. And, man, but, but my, my brother Lee and I could play ball. We were messed up, but we could play ball. We'd go every afternoon and play ball with the rich kids and we were playing ball one afternoon, and this young preacher pulls up on the mound in an old black Volkswagen Beetle. Just pulled up out on the ball field in, in his car. And he gets out of his car, and, and, and he's a tall, thin young man, and he said, my name is Jerry, Jerry Falwell. Nobody here can hit my fastball. And I said, I'm going to hit your blankety-blank fastball. Man, I, you know, it's a good night. Said, Whoa, so I'm hacking at that thing. I couldn't hit that thing. He said, let me hit one. 
Man, I gave it all I had. Man, he cranked on that thing and knocked it clean into West Virginia. Looked like an aspirin going out in space. And then he said, if any of you boys will come to church with me Sunday, I'll give you a brand new baseball. And I said, I ain't never had one. My brother and I come. And he came by our ratty old house, a stinky old house, and picked my little brother and me up. We stank. We stank. I still stink. <laughs> and got us in that car. And he had a newer car. He and his wife were taking the church. He flipped on the air conditioner. My little brother said, Toby, what's that? I said, it's an air conditioner, man. And my brother said, in a car? I said, in a car. And that was the beginning of God working to get me right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. God blesses the insignificant. Baseball. I just can't do it. Watch it, watch it. Go buy a stinking baseball for the park. Hey, I'm going to be a thing in that, that, that hunt. So, he went to the shepherds, men who didn't have a reputation to protect. Just a bus kid. I ain't got no reputation to protect. Just a bus kid. Or an axe to grind. I got no axe to grind with anybody. Everybody's been kind to me. Or a ladder to climb over people. Men who didn't know enough to tell God that angels don't sing to sheep and that messiahs aren't found wrapped in rags and sleeping in a manger. God can do the miraculous with you kids. And he can and he wants to. Now, young ladies, walk around here like a pastor's wife. Brethren, set up in chapel like a, like a preacher. Pay attention. God's watching. Read your Bible, even if it's just two or three verses a day. Is that all? Beats nothing. You're pretty busy. You're tired. You're worn out. And God knows all that. Don't, don't, don't. It's okay. God, God takes good notes. Expect God to use you. Don't, don't, don't be stupid and, hey, I got it made, man. I'm the best guy around here. No, no, you're not. You're nothing. If you think that, you, you, you ain't nothing. But, it, but if you're thinking, God, I need you on me, help me, please. He'll help you. In 1972, my wife and I went to the Holy Land. And uh, we, we praise the Lord for the trip that we got to go do that. We got there, and uh, I, I, I enjoyed putting my hands on the, on the Eastern Gate. I enjoyed that very much. I enjoyed all these kind of things and uh, even went up on the backside of Mount Calvary and stood up on the top of Mount Calvary and looked over the, the old city of Jerusalem. I, I, I remember those. But one thing that stands out in my mind was there was a small cathedral outside of Bethlehem and it marks the supposed birthplace of Jesus. And behind a high altar in that church is a cave, a little cavern lit by silver lamps if I remember correctly. You can enter the main place and you admire the ancient church. You can also enter the quiet cave where a star is embedded in the floor, recognizing where they think the birth of the king would, would have taken place. But there's one stipulation. You have to stoop to get in there. Kind of same kind of line of thinking that Brother Barry preached on the other day. The door is so low you can't go in standing up. And the same is true of the Lord. You can see the world standing tall, but to witness the Savior 
If you really want to see him, here's where you got to see him from. Right there. If you really want to see him, we need to stoop. We need to stoop with each other. We need to humble ourselves under the almighty hand of God. And while the theologians were sleeping and the elite were dreaming and the successful were snoring and the the meek were kneeling, they were kneeling before the one only the meek will see. They were kneeling in front of Jesus.